You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 257. We're discussing WandaVision episode 5, the Falcon and Winter Soldier Super Bowl trailer, and the first look at Joker and Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Carlos. And I'm Sanjay. You know what, boys? It's just another beautiful day to be a nerd, guys. We got an intense episode in front of us. We are breaking down that monumental WandaVision episode 5. In great detail, massive reveal at the end of that episode, which will spur inevitably a ton of theories as to what the MCU is and what potentially the multiverse is. So we're going to kick that up a little bit later on in the show, but we're also going to cover the big game trailer. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier gets a full-fledged trailer in anticipation of its release here in late March. So a lot to go through there, lots of theories, lots coming out of that and today, Zack Snyder, we had a long discussion about the Justice League last week, and we're going to continue that today because he revealed the first look at Jared Leto's revamped Joker in the Snyder Cut. And I have to say, guys, quite unsettling, quite unsettling. I'm, uh, I'm a bit nervous, but I'm a bit intrigued. And maybe the first time I've been intrigued by what we're seeing here, finally ramping up that marketing and showing us some new stuff. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited to talk about it. And guys, we're also going to cover, of course, like we always do at the top of these episodes, our Weeks and Nerd. And, of course, the boys are going to run you through some DC Future State on that. So first things first, let's jump into it. Welcome to the show, everyone. And let's talk some nerd. Let's talk some Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and a little bit of that beyond. I got to throw it to my boy first here, my boy Troy, Craven yeah. the Hunter. Some rumors about Craven, <laughs> and we're, we're going to stuff those in next week's episode, but... The real Craven is here. He's sitting in front of me, and it's yes, Troy sir. the boy, man. What, what did you get up to grinding in those trenches yeah. out on the hunt this week? Oof. It's been cold, man. It's a cold, cold winter over <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, that's and, been. Uh, minus 43 today minus in Calgary 43, for those. Minus 43, man. Uh... And like I mentioned to my boy Carlos here, I said, listen, man, the snow is my kryptonite. Like, that thing just shuts me right down. But uh, where there's a will, there's a way, and I got to keep hunting. You know, I can't stop this. So, um it was uh, it was over the weekend, man. I went over to EB Games just to do a quick little run through, and um, I found the Prowler. I found the Prowler Marvel Legends from the like into the Spider Man or into the Spider Verse uh, wave, uh, based on the Aaron Davis version as opposed to the Hobby Brown. And it's a pretty cool figure. I, I thought I was gonna maybe pass on it, but once I saw it in front of my face, like many other figures, I had to have <laughs> it. So I picked up that guy, and uh, he, he's pretty cool, man. He's a lot of fun. One of the big ones, though, man. I was I woke up this morning, and I saw in Kijiji they had Commander Cody, the archive line, this figure that I've been chasing, this figure that I voted for, yes. and I needed this thing in my life, and I saw it for forty bucks, and I was like, I don't care, like I need this toy, I don't care, so I'll get it as opposed to like other online markets where this thing's like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, forty bucks I can do it, so I tell the guy, hey man, I'll be there, you know, right after work, what do you, you know, let me know, and he's like, yeah. 6.15, 6.30 work? And I'm like, ooh, that's kind of close. It's kind of <laughs> close to recording time. 
you know I, I don't want to go there with you know toys over boys but i really need these toys so Man. Uh, <laughs> priorities and i think hopefully you had your priorities right yeah yeah so um opposite end of the city i drive down there i pick it up looks great looks glorious and then i'm like wait a second i still got a little bit of time i'm down in self center i never really go to self center but i'm like hey you know what let's see what's going on so i go over to the ev games and i see um silver surfer Marvel Legend. It's the Silver Surfer. That's um, it's like the Dark Surfer. So he's like a little more like blacked out. I missed Silver Surfer Black. Yeah, the Donny Cates Donnie one. Donny Cates, right? Cool. With Thor's hammer, man. And I, I missed my chance on this figure, the original release, like a year or two ago. And I'm like, I'm not making that mistake. So I saw him in the wild, picked that guy up too, and I looked at my watch and like, oh my gosh, like I'm low on gas. The show's about to start. I gotta get home. <laughs> Because this is like an hour away. Either that or I click my heels three times. Like, I don't know, man. How am I going to get home? <laughs> so I, I hop in my car. I don't even fill up. But I, I jet home and I make it over here just in time to record. So that was my figures for the, for the week. And um, Future State, man. Future State all day. Um, last week, I know Carlos and I touched on Aquaman. I didn't read it, but I finally did. And uh, this book was awesome. I had no idea Aquaman could be this cool. And it wasn't even Aquaman I was reading about. Um, it was it was really neat. <laughs> I'm reading about Aquaman's daughter, and um, I had a lot of fun. Aqualad too. He was Aqualad at one point, right? Uh, the main yeah, and the young and justice. Young justice. What he was born from. Yes, but, yeah. he's, but he's he's Mantis' uh, son, right? Is that is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Black Mantis' son. Yeah. Um, really cool character. Um, love the art. I really love like the magic behind the ocean and like the dimension hopping that it's done i thought that was such a cool idea so that book was fantastic uh the batman book i gotta say the batman book was cool but the art and i know it's the same artist but the art for me was kind of a a little wonky in some panels for me yeah because he's sharing it now so nick darrington because he's a name okay so he's doing the layouts Mm -hmm. and then there's a a lady who's coming in and doing the finishing pencils and the inks Okay. And so it's like I appreciate that they're trying to groom a new artist and stuff, yeah. but at the same time, like the first two books were fire, oh, man. and then yeah, it's like you can tell, right? You can yeah, tell yeah. You know, it stood out to me. Them. It yeah. stood out to me. So that was a little, you know, it's it's okay. I rolled with it. Um, the little end panel, I was kind of like, okay, this is where we're going because I think they close out in book four, right, for this whole run. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of like, all right, like let's get to like you know the meat of everything so one more book to go uh pretty cool i uh, i picked up superman um man of uh, metropolis superman of metropolis and um i gotta say the end was pretty cool the end actually i like how it came together and how it uh it kind of separates john from clark and it establishes that you know what i'm not gonna be the superman of the world like my dad i am just gonna be the superman of metropolis but i'm gonna be like the best hero you can have for metropolis i'm gonna give you guys my all day in and day out and i thought that was kind of neat um i did feel there was a little missed opportunity on john in general with this run um anybody out there that listens to dragon ball i really thought this was gonna be something where you took um a character like goku and you passed that flag over to his son gohan and i thought that was something they're gonna do in this book you lost me yeah i lost you guys i probably lost everybody um except chris if he's listening but uh (laughs) i really felt like they could have really established um a stronger role for john being something maybe even better than Superman. And they fell short of that. And I think it failed because of book one. Book one really didn't start off strong, but book, book two kind of came together for me. But man, the, the best book, hands down, was for me was Wonder Woman. Book two, the final book. I didn't want it to end, man. I'm reading this thing. I'm like, oh, no. Like, 
this is the final book because they only did two <laughs> books. And um, where they take this character, her adventure, just the whole adventure aspect, reading Yara is so much fun. And again, it, it just has like that mythology behind it, like that Greek mythology kind of feel, that, that adventure aspect, that god of war. And I, I just loved it, man. So I cannot wait for her own run to come out um, sometime, I think, this year, 2021, obviously. So, uh, yeah, that's that that my week in nerd, though, man. It's just uh, some, some nice reads. And I, and I finished The Other History as well, uh, recommended by Carlos, which was another fantastic read by DC. And, again, I love what they're doing with, like, real-time events, really um, grounding their characters. And uh, they, they, they had uh, an encounters with the Teen Titans. A lot of encounters, actually. I had no idea there was that many Titans involved in this book. But I really appreciated what they did. It's good, man. Good read. Awesome. And yeah. that's, yeah, that's, guys, right there, that weekend nerd, particularly the plastic piece of it. That is why Troy is Craven and not <laughs> Keanu Reeves. So, we're just making that clear, guys. No matter what rumors are out there. He's on our podcast, and that is the reason why. <laughs> Down to the wire. So we had a hunt story to tell on the podcast. <laughs> Carlos, man, continue the DC Future State run here. We're into week five, correct? Yeah, week five uh, was the yeah the week that Troy and I just went through. And yeah, I got to echo all that. Like the Wonder Woman book, fire. Like by far the best book that they put out last or week five art was amazing the story was incredible and i love how they just kind of tweak her mythology where it's the same gods as diana has but sometimes they're the kind of aztec version of those gods so like the hades and the persephone that she interacts with are kind of the aztec versions of those uh those entities and and it's just cool it's just such a good book and i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with um the Wonder Wonder Girl title that she's going to be in coming up next year. So that's cool. Uh, like you touched on with Superman and Metropolis. That one was an honorable mention for me. Like, it was good. Like, the art was phenomenal. I kind of liked the battle in it. Uh, and it made book one better because that one, that one, I think I had a kind of mileage mm. may vary last week, last go for me. But uh, it was good. And the Mr. Miracle backup, super interesting and super compelling. And I'm curious to see where they take that character. Next, Batman. I liked how much Tim shined as being Batman. Yeah. And I like where they take his character and what they do with him. They make him unique from Bruce. And it's like, oh, if I if I ever got like in a dust up with Batman, I'd want it to be with this guy. Cause like he's way nicer than Bruce. Like Bruce is kind of a dink compared to, <laughs> to, to Tim Fox here. Like Bruce would have handed over those people like right away kind of thing. But this guy's compassionate and yeah, and he's an interesting character, he and they hint about his backstory a bit. So, yeah. hype to see where that goes. I totally feel you on the art. Like, it, it would have been nice if Nick Darrington did it all, but I, I get it kind of thing. Harley Quinn, nice two-issue run, but the art in that, so good. It's got this anime style wow. to it, and the colors just pop, and the whole thing looks like you're watching an anime, mm. so if you want to just try something future state, like that's a good one. Cause it's two clean issues. Um, a lot of characters that, you know, but you don't have to get too in the weeds with them. They do a pretty good job in issue one, establishing who they're all, uh, who they all are and where they're at. And then issue two, having a big fun dust up with everybody kind of thing. What's the, and then swamp. Sorry. What's the time jump with that one? Cause Harley Quinn looks like, like pretty young in that one. Like, or at least like the current age, is it like two years away, five years away kind of thing or, 
they don't really get into that one too far, mm. but it's certainly in that same Gotham because Jonathan Crane is working for the magistrate cool. and she's under arrest by them and uh, they're chasing Black Mask. Cool, cool. Kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, and they do some cool stuff with that and like they do some neat things with Jonathan Crane and the whole masks thing and they play around with the magistrate's rules and all that type of stuff. So that one was that was a good read and. Um, Man, Swamp Thing continues to be <laughs> this insane surprise. Like, it was such this beautiful tale of humanity. It was unreal. I was just like, man, it's bringing <laughs> tears to my eyes reading this Swamp Thing book. He's such it, a good character. Oh, I know. I know, man. Like, yeah, I got the feels from Alec with that book. And then uh, The Flash, what can you say? <laughs> it was like, it was the typical, prototypical Flash book. It had a super cool battle. Mm. It actually had sweet art this time around, but then the story the story is just so dumb. <laughs> and it's just all the dumb Flash stuff. And it's like, ugh, just Barry Allen, you should have just stayed away with Crisis. <laughs> your whole lore would have been better for it. So, yeah, man. That, like... And just so I don't go out on a downer, uh, This Week in Nerd, we ended up getting a sweet delivery to our house. Oh, yeah. Um, we got, uh, my wife ordered this Wonder Woman 84 statue of her and her golden eagle armor from Iron Studios. And man, it is so cool. Like she kind of showed me the pictures when she was ordering it and I was like, yeah, that's, that's sweet. But then this thing arrives and just the level of detail and how dynamic the pose is and the way it's sculpted and the flow to it. It's awesome. So I dumped the pictures of it in the nerd room Instagram. So go check it out if you like. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. That thing looks awesome. Like like yeah. you mentioned, the poses, the way those wings are like pointed out or in, mm-hmm. it's just like you said, it's so dynamic looking. I just I love it, man. The last so everything looks awesome. Like that's a wicked pickup, man. Wicked pickup. It's great. Yeah, like she was debating between that one and like the hot toys. I remember and that. I was like I kinda lean towards hot toys a little bit, but at the same time, I will never be able to pose that thing in as amazing a setup with with the lasso going. And I was like, just knowing Hot Toys, they're sweet, but they are finicky as all hell. <laughs> Those wings, I'm going to be having them in the folded down position in no time. So <laughs> if you if you like the Iron Studios, you, you might as well go for that. And man, she, uh, she chose well because... It is a sharp-looking piece, for sure. Yeah, and, and Mrs. Goddamn Batman, if you're out there listening, there's always the opportunity to get the hot toy as well. Just, uh, <laughs> just as a... Tim? Uh, <laughs> hey, man. Tim, no. He's <laughs> got Come two on. kids to put through college. Come on. You're going to get them both going on the hot toys, man. They're going to have to not go to college now because of you. <laughs> I know. what One will get Diana in the regular costume and one will get the golden eagle. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully they can buy some textbooks with yeah. that. Yeah. Sideshow internship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. The Meta Steel Book's sitting over there. What, what, what's going on with you? You're uh, you're looking good. You're looking good. Look at the Thanks, swell. man. Thanks, man. I got this, my T-shirt that you bought me. You like that? It's Nerd yeah. Room swag Ooh. um oh when did i make that for you <laughs> you made this uh when hayden was born oh that's funny i was shaking my head here for those listening 
And because I was like, no, that's definitely a Superman shirt you buy at Walmart or whatever. And I guess I've uh, put a nerd room tag on it. And then you put like Super Dad on the back. Oh, look at you. Oh, there I go. That was probably mostly my wife, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm going to guess you probably didn't uh, do very much of the uh, hot pressing, but uh, you never know. I do the ironing. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Um, What's new with me in terms of nerd? Uh, Not much, to be honest with you. It's too cold to go outside Mm. and go on the hunt, so... You know, it's a good time to go and uh, go through my back catalog of movies. And, you know, I felt like I was kind of in a box in a way. Like, I've been watching a lot of movies, but they're all kind of like action movies, superhero movies, horror movies. So I said, you know, Sanjay, you got to expand your horizons here, bud. Like, you have over 2,000 movies. Like, pick something that you would never watch that you own. And then, and then I was like, okay. So I went with Metropolis, which is a German film from the 20s, and it's a silent film. Um, It's two and a half hours long, and um, I had never seen a silent film before this. And uh, I got to tell you, boys, I actually loved it. Like, this was a special film. Like, if you watch the film, and you don't have to watch the whole thing because it is quite long, um, but you can see snippets of it, and you can see the influence. Those films are 100 years old. And it's influenced everything from Blade Runner to Queen. Um, if you watch their um, Radio Gaga video, uh, music video, there's clips of them in like Metropolis. And then there's Freddie Mercury portraying the main character of Metropolis. And uh, as well, Batman the Animated Series. Like, it takes a ton of like background visuals. And it definitely like imposes them with uh, cartoon drawings now. And the influence on this thing is it, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy, you know. Like, and reading up about this film, it, it has such a fascinating history. I'm, I'm kind of like learning more about like film history and stuff. And uh, so the film came out; it cost like five million um, German dollars back in the day. So I don't know what the equivalent is today, but it completely bombed at the box office. Like people like hated this thing, and um, so because it bombed, like no one really kept reels around of the film. Because they're like, well, this thing, this movie's trash. Like, who cares? And uh, so they've been like trying to get like um, a full version of this film for years and years. And then I guess in like 2008, there was one collector in Argentina that had like a complete version of this film uh, just sitting around. And, I wonder who uh, brought and, it like, to Argentina. The... <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that same thing. <laughs> well, um, interestingly, they said like in the states, studios just didn't give. A shit about their films after because they're like we've already shown them in theaters we don't need this anymore so they would literally studios would literally go and dump them in the ocean like reels of f- footage of like films or like uh, they would go and say like hey do you want this um and then they'd be like you know people would say yes or no but like they just didn't take any care of it it would just be in a cement uh vault somewhere i'm talking like films like wizard of oz casablanca like the best of the best and, and unfortunately like some of these films uh got deteriorated and so this one here they were able to find like a pretty close to complete version of this film i guess there's still like 10 to 15 minutes missing of the film and when that popped up there would be like a title card that said like in this scene here the hero what's you know fights this guy and it would just kind of tell you what would happen um based on notes that they had or you know um even like going as far as getting like censorship cards that would say like, this is what happens here, but you know, we've got a censor kind of thing. So like they really did like a really good job. Uh, the studio is Kino Lorber 
and they did a terrific job restoring this film and it looks beautiful it's on blu-ray um and no 4K? yes no 4k What's cameras <laughs> i thought <laughs> you only watch 4k movies <laughs> well you know i don't always watch 4k like 2k is pretty good too it's 100 years old like <laughs> it, it, they up, upscaled it from the 35 millimeter print on the film film there so uh yeah so i'm trying to like expand my horizon so you know check for more um obscure movie reviews and uh films that i just you know normally would look at and buy and then just never get around to watching because i'm like oh like with metropolis i'm like that's such a good like film to have as like a film collector and it was like on sale for like eight bucks which is crazy good deal so i got it and i took me like three years to watch it two years to watch it so now i'm going through that back catalog um, and besides, you know, listening and watching German films from the 1920s, I wanted to watch and listen to something that's just as influential. And I got queued up and I haven't listened to it yet, but it's the Nerd Room Arcade podcast. Mm. And, um, you know, nice I plan. got uh, <laughs> I got these two two knuckleheads over here and uh, I'm excited to listen to you guys. And uh, yeah, congratulations on your first episode. I'm sure it was a smashing success and uh, sorry I couldn't be there, but uh, I'm going to listen on the uh, replay here. Oh, that's cool, man. Thanks, yeah. buddy. That's... Well, it's one of those, too. I was, like, self-conscious because, like, the app, you're, you're so exposed on that. And it was just outside of our normal comfort zone. Yeah. And so then Tim brings the heat with our intro today. And I was like, oh, man. That <laughs> <laughs> was terrible. I'm like Sam Wilson in that trailer. I know exactly. I'm going through Sam's journey right now <laughs> when he's, like, sitting there looking at the shield being like, man, I don't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> no, guys, let me tell you. I listened to it live, and I listened to it again the day later or so and you guys killed it it was like riding a bike you guys jumped on and took off it was it was fantastic and i do have sympathy too because that is not an easy app to start to use you hit your stride after about 10 seconds but not being able to see each other and only seeing kind of the little like avatar guy i can understand how that can be a bit confusing and disorienting and like you said, a bit exposing. And I full props to you guys. You guys nailed it. I listened to it, and my wife was listening at the same time, and she said, like, oh, the guys sound great, and sounds like they're having fun, and there's the passion and love and all that is behind it. And I'm super stoked that we now have that piece added to the nerd room here. Shoot, shoot. Yeah, thanks, guys. That's that's really cool. Kind words, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Two of the best. Two yeah. of the best. <laughs> but, guys, i uh, I got to finish it up here. I'm going to round out This Week in Nerd. And I'm taking cues from the boys this week because – like Sanjay, I decided to not go outside because of, of the temperature. <laughs> I don't go out very much anyways. But Carlos, he's been sneaking into my DM a little bit lately and <laughs> progressively trying to encourage me and entice me. And I'm trying to pay him back here on the podcast with the missus. But he's been trying to help me fulfill one of my nerdier resolutions, and that is wading into nerd art and trying to fill out my room and my space with a bit more of unique art as opposed to movie posters, which are quite generic, and we get a lot of the clip art and all that. So I'm trying to expand into something a little different, and he's been throwing me stuff, and I've been looking, and this week I finally pulled the trigger. I found from Vice Press, he had sent me this really gorgeous Jurassic Park print, it was reasonably priced. Shipping was okay. Size 24 by 36. I'm I'm quite excited to get this in hand. It's probably going to lead to another avenue of collecting for me, which that I'm not <laughs> looking forward to. But to start to, to frame out the room and go beyond the generic studio clip art and all that, 
I think that's going to bring a whole nother level to the nerd room. And I'm really excited about that. So once that arrives, I'll get some pictures up. It's my collection. Isn't near what the goddamn bat fam have, but I'm, I'm, I'm treading there, man. I'm, I'm trying to, to inch into that. And hopefully I don't end up with, you know, $2,000 worth of art on my doorstep here in the next couple of days. But <laughs> yeah, dude, that was the beauty yeah. of a first piece to get. And it was, it's one of those when I threw it to you, I, like you said, I throw you guys all sorts of stuff that you could be interested, could not, but it's better that you pass your eyes and you pass on it than mm-hmm. I not pass it on and you wish you had. But uh, it's like the perfect Jurassic Park. Yeah, it, it captures all those um, legendary moments from that film and all the key themes in this one beautiful image. Mm-hmm. And, and Vice Press is solid. They do nice stuff and it typically gets to be pretty rare and coveted. So, yeah, yeah I, I think you made a stellar first purchase, man. Well, I appreciate it. And I was going back, is this the right price? Should I be buying this? What's the shipping? And so Carlos was there to guide me through this. So I, I do appreciate that, man, even though that you did have a, a, <laughs> a bit of a hundred bucks of mine to spend <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Yeah, man, I you you have my commitment that there will be no uh, cowboys versus aliens follies in your future. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's the guidance I need. <laughs> and lastly, for me, taking a cue from Sunny here, I decided as we talked a few weeks ago about Godzilla vs King Kong that trailer, a lot of hype behind that here in the new room and then beyond. But I had seen a lot of the build-in movies in this small universe that they've slowly built out into this nice versus piece that's coming out here in a couple weeks. And so I decided to go back and start watching from Godzilla, the 2014 iteration. I'd seen that in the past. I really enjoyed that, revisited that. And I I thoroughly enjoy this film. I think it's a fantastic film, a great way to frame out Godzilla and bring him into and beyond what we had seen in the past and kind of modernize the character while also sticking to the roots of the look of Godzilla. And so I really appreciated that. And then for the first time I went and saw, or I ordered and watched it in my basement, didn't go and see anything, was Kong Skull Island. <laughs> oh, nice. And I had to say I enjoyed it, not as much as Godzilla, because I think I like the tone of Godzilla and the way Godzilla was presented a bit more than King Kong. King Kong still comes across to me a little bit more, less serious the tone, and the stakes of it weren't as, I'd say, as large as what, Godzilla was and how they framed everything out. Still a fun movie. Samuel L. Jackson's a bit bonkers in it, but ultimately it's a great introduction or reintroduction to Kong in the modern day beyond what Peter Jackson did there and building into this universe and showing the nice connected pieces and all that. And you know me, I love my story continuity and my little Easter eggs and everything. So it was a lot of fun. And my next step this weekend is Godzilla King of the Monsters. And so I'm going to be moving on to that. And then, of course, we're going to get into Godzilla vs. King Kong. I had to say after these watches, though, I believe a bit more towards Godzilla, Team Godzilla now. I was I was fully in Kong camp two weeks ago. I'm being persuaded to the other side. And we got we got a seat for you on the on the big G hype train if you want, yeah. man. Yeah, it's all King Kong, man. He's gonna come in swinging. Is it I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what King of the Monsters does for me. And that's gonna be the deciding factor as to what team I go in for Godzilla versus oh. King Kong. Cheers for the underdog. Godzilla is so baller and king of the monsters. Oh, okay, tell you right now you're on team Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. So, all right. Well, moving from one monster to another, let's talk about Joker in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now, we broke down what we knew about the film last week. 
describe some of our hype levels, where we're leaning on this and what we're hoping to get out of it. And we did touch on the more veiled release of the Joker from last week from Zack Snyder. We didn't get to see his face. We got an impression, though, from that more of a shadow image that Joker had gone through some sort of transformation. That the Leto Joker we saw in Suicide Squad that had or was being adapted, at least that version of some sort, into Zack Snyder's Justice League as an extension of what was originally filmed. And Zack Snyder today released the first look at Jared Leto's Joker in what will be a sequence inside of the Justice League when it's released here in mid-March. Now, this, like I said at the top, this is a very haunting-looking Joker, very menacing-looking Joker, and kind of that like Texas Chainsaw Massacre type of crazy-ass Joker. This guy looks very unsettled, and... To me, like I said at the top, this piece here, this image, these two images that were released, this has got me excited much more for what I think is that nightmare sequence that's going to be happening or expanded on at least in Zack Snyder's Justice League. And so I'm intrigued to see what you guys have to think about this. This is somewhat of a radical departure from what we saw and what we've been making fun of since 2016 with the pirate joker (laughs) and this brings a different set of stakes to what is inevitably going to be that expanded nightmare sequence so sunny man i know i know you're stoked you're you and troy are at the top at the peak when it comes to hype Mm -hmm. but seeing joker like this and inserting a character like this into an already large movie yes we do have four hours but what's your thoughts on the look here and how he's going to factor into Justice League? Yeah, man, his look looks fantastic. Like he looks creepy. You you hit the nail on the head. Like he's a he's a scary looking dude and uh, a big upgrade from what we got in Suicide Squad. Um, looking at him here, like you see the tattoos are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he you can't see his mouth, but I assume his grill is gone. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I don't know. Um, but, you know, and that kind of, like, adds to Suicide Squad, too, because you're, like, maybe he was just messing with people and he just, like, put that on just to mess with people, right? So that's kind of, like, adds another layer to Suicide Squad when you go back to watch that film. Um, what what do I think he's going to, like, do in this movie? I definitely think it's, like, it, obviously, it's, he said one scene is a nightmare scene. And, you know, what I think it's going to be is, like, Batman, you know, Darkseid has taken over the world. That's, like, kind of, like, the nightmare scenario. And, you know, there's, like, some sort of, like, side mission or something that, like, he needs, like, it's so bad that he needs to even enlist the help of Joker. Because even Joker is, like, fighting back. And, like, it'll kind of be, like, a mini Suicide Squad. It'll be, like, Batman, Joker, and then there's the picture of Deathstroke with his mohawk, um, which looks super badass. So, like, if what I do see you those... you think? You stole that from me, from the DM. <laughs> <laughs> there's receipts in that DM. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was an original thought that was uh, brushed up by Carlos, and uh... <laughs> it's called plagiarism. It was an unfinished thought that I had that uh... oh, audio plagiarism. <laughs> yeah, I know. This this is why we had to do the arcade. <laughs> stealing my stuff. I'm sorry, man. I ca- I can't remember. I have so many ideas that bounce around in this head. I don't know which are which and whose are whose. <laughs> Carlos, uh, expand that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You go for it, man. You go for it. Do you want me to just read my DM? <laughs> sure. Hours ago? No. Just don't uh, include the pictures that you sent me earlier. <laughs> no, man, I'm just playing with you. Yeah, man, I uh, 
I was pleasantly surprised by this look. It was really captivating just him sitting there in that smock in that desolate hallway and it's kind of like what are they going for here and i appreciate that they leaned into jared leto's natural look Mm -hmm. and just turned him into the joker as opposed to kind of creating this new persona with the grills and the tats and all that kind of stuff and even just small things like he has eyebrows i think now (laughs) so it's like he looks he looks more natural but in looking more natural he comes off as more menacing because you have this person in front of you who's you don't know what to expect and what he's capable of versus with the suicide squad it's this kind of caricature so yeah i'm i'm curious by this and he's got that kind of messy look not only with his face but also the smock and stuff like that so i don't know those kind of things it's like well what do you need a smock for? Like, what were you doing? This gloves on <laughs> this too. Kind of full scary. of blood. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man. I it, uh, it's elevated my interest for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What What about you, T? Uh, what's What's going on? What's your feel for having Joker inserted into this? Into again pulling out maybe more of Bruce Wayne's story inside mm. of the Justice League, and are we going to see some of that? that seed that was planted with Robin and the death of Robin. Are we going to expand on that? Maybe the burnings out of Wayne Manor, or is this simply going to be kind of a one-off few minutes, acknowledge the Joker and his presence in this world, in Snyder's world and move on from there. And then of course, thoughts on the look. Yeah. um, Well, you know, to start off with the, with the thoughts, it was, it was funny because um, I was at work today and a buddy of mine was, uh, was asking about the Snyder cut. And me being a, I guess I could say a fanboy now, of the Snyder Cut, <laughs> I was uh, I was like, hey man, have you seen like the new um, Joker photo that we got? I think last week, he had no idea about it. It's a black and white photo, and so as he's looking it up, he see he pulls out this new image. And he's like, whoa, are you talking about this? And it's like posted three hours ago at the time, and I was like, whoa, what is that? That's not <laughs> what I was talking about, and I I lost my mind. So looking at this image for me, I think the coolest thing you can do with like a Joker is level him up. And I feel like this Joker is leveled up from the David Ayers uh, Joker, the Suicide Squad. He kind of, at least for me, has that feeling of like, what, uh, what, uh, what was his name? Not Tom King, the last writer on Batman, the most recent, uh, Tion, uh, Tion. Yeah. When he introduced like the designer of how like we had like a bad Joker, but then he kind of like, again, in that book leveled up to like something completely different, something better. And I feel like, we're kind of going there where like Joker is now the Joker that we know. And the Joker Mm. that we had in the suicide squad was just that gangster. That's kind of gotten away a few times too many, but now he has a plan. And I think they've taken notes from um, Heath Ledger's Joker, obviously. And then obviously with the success of walking Phoenix, it's very reminiscent of the walking Phoenix look that we see in in one of my favorite scenes where he goes to town on his buddy clown uh, when he just has like the white makeup on or face paint. Mm. Uh, so the look is just, yeah, it's completely terrifying. Um, where are they going to go with him? I don't know. I, I feel like, because Jared Leto, in my opinion, always had the ability to be the best Joker. I mean, his acting, he's, he's in my opinion, the best actor to take on the role of the Joker. He just had the worst Joker. I feel like he's a better actor than Walking Phoenix, and Walking Phoenix is phenomenal. Whoa, yeah, man, that's yeah. a bold statement. No, wow. Oscar Put some Winter barbecue Di- sauce hey, on that. That's how to, bold it is. Go back to Dallas Fires Club, man. He's... <laughs> That guy is a phenomenal act. He's a phenomenal talent, um, even when he listens to his music. Um, 
he's better than Heath Ledger as an actor. Oh my god! As an actor. Oh my god! As... You're trying to kill me. Come on, come on! Is this a comparison? You're trying to kill me. Ten he... things I hate about you. A Knight's Tale. Come on. Seriously, those are the movies you bring up for <laughs> Heath Ledger? Oh, man. Especially piece of Heath Ledger, but his best thing. I was best, a teen his, when his, his he was, like, big, man. His best thing was uh, Those was are awesome the movies the I saw him in. Man, yeah. you're going to get taken out by the arcade oh. host. It's going to be like that Marvel versus Capcom tagging. <laughs> yeah. so this is going to be fierce, gonna, fierce punch and kick at the same time. It's going to be that old school Street Fighter when you lose and you're all bloody. And you're just like, continue? <laughs> no, don't continue. Oh, man. Mortal Kombat. Flawless victory, yeah. man. <laughs> um, but anyways, you know, I just I feel like um, they've taken notes and it has a bit more of an edge and a little more control, obviously, of Snyder as opposed to Air. It's more of that Snyder flavor. And uh, I just, I really like what they're doing. Are we going to get flashbacks? I I would hope so. I would hope so because if this is like Snyder's last like hurrah with the property, I think it would be kind of cool if he went back and gave us some more, um, more uh, storytelling of what happened between the Robin, the Bruce, and this this Joker. So I'm excited, man. I really think this is pretty cool, and uh, it's nice to see like like Tim was mentioning something new uh, for promotion or promotion mm-hmm. sake uh, with this property with the Snyder cut. So uh, I'm all for it, man. I think this looks great. Yeah. Yeah. So before we go on, I gotta know yeah. your coworker. Yeah. What did he think? Because I think oh, that's the best. He, he, he was blown to, away, and and, yeah. and it's not the first time him and I have talked about uh, the Snyder cut. And he's kind of like, ah, whatever. He's definitely more um, leaning on the Marvel movies. It just appeals to him more. But he likes the DC characters, and um, he hasn't been a fan of quite a bit of the new movies. But when he saw this, like, he jumped out of his seat. He was really blown away with the look of this Joker, and I feel like a lot of people were kind of let down with that that David Ayer Joker. It just, especially, you know, coming now off of with the walking Phoenix Joker. Yeah. That's, you know, so and it's such a captivating character Joker, right? Like everyone knows who the Joker is, right? Yeah. And if you're looking mm-hmm. for an Avenue in Batman and the Joker is a great way to pave that for a lot of people mm-hmm. and seeing something like this as menacing as it looks, I don't know. And they they potentially could give some room for this Joker to really move because it was confirmed last week that this will be rated R. And we saw a brief clip of potentially why it's rated R with Steppenwolf versus the Amazon this past week, the Amazons. And you see him just graphically taking apart a few of the Amazons, like major blood splatter and all that. And so you could see (laughs) where they're going to really leverage that R. It might not be so much for the language, but it's definitely going to be for the graphic nature. And Joker, especially this Joker, as you mentioned, Carlos, he's got this weird smock on. So he's doing something twisted. And that really begs the question, do they lean into that? Do they lean more into the gory nature and potential just rawness of this Joker with that rated R? And it's going to be interesting to see what, what they do with this character. Like I said, this is a, one of the first times I've been like super intrigued by, by promo material on this. I think personally that is a misstep in here is not showing people what they're going to get. And it's not about rehashing the past. Let's see what's in the future and what's going on here. And this image is something that really pushes that forward. So you guys got any take on the R? I, I don't really want to spend too much time on it because it's been bad around the, the necessity for an R in a comic book movie. Anything you guys want to toss out there with regards to how that could be leveraged into maybe a potentially better film? It's dope, man. Like It just allows artistic freedom of like whatever he wants to do where you see the Steppenwolf graphic, him taking down the Amazons. You wouldn't get that in a PG-13. And like, if you watch Logan again, you know, you watch the first X-Men films, you don't see Wolverine use his claws too much. And if you do, there's no blood. 
But in Logan, he uses them every chance he gets, and they take full advantage of that R rating. So I think it's going to be dope, and uh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I don't got much. I think I think an R rating uh, definitely works better on a streaming device on a platform where everyone can kind of stream it through TV as opposed to uh, mm. box office receipts when it's uh, it's a very limited audience going to your your movie. So it might be kind of a draw for them, much like what Game of Thrones is. I mean, I don't know what yeah. the rating of Game of Thrones is, but I'd imagine it's it's, I think it's hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. seventeen right? plus maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that gets <laughs> okay. a lot of eyes. So um, if you get to hear about all your favorite superheroes and and villains, you know killing each other in a certain way in a graphic way it might get more people uh paying attention or tuning in to the show or the movie i guess so uh, to, to be fair joker was rated r and that thing made a billion dollars yeah. at the box that's office, true so. that's true it's not really i don't think it's yeah. like limiting anymore i think like but it is like on streaming service it's funny because it's like it's rated r but like who's gonna check yeah. if you're 16 or 14 Man, your parents aren't around. You just throw it on, right? There's, yeah. It's not going to be password protected. So, like, well, I think it sounds cool. Who cares what it's rated? It, it sounds cool, right? When you have a movie that's like it's rated R, right? But right, it, yeah. you know what I mean. It's just, it's just a cool kind of thing, um, whether it is or isn't. But it is. So, um, yeah, I think I think it works for its property. What's going to do? Yeah, for me, you guys know what I want from like a Justice yeah. League and what I want, how I want the DC characters to be seen. And this was never going to be it, or at least once we started. Uh, getting those first pieces of like the promo art and stuff like that last week. So, yeah, at this point in time, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of shrugging my shoulders, sure. But when we're talking about R, if we want to go to the opposite end of the spectrum and talk about that hope that is instilled by the Justice League, and in particular Superman, we're going to get that, guys, in just a few weeks. We talked about this, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago, we talked about Superman and Lois, a new show that will be debuting February 23rd on the CW. Hopefully we get up here in some capacity. And we got some new promo images from this. We talked about how cinematic this new CW TV show looks. And these images reinforce that for me. In particular, the image of Superman in his suit, in the upgraded suit. This thing looks like it was peeled straight out of a movie. The character, the actor looks awesome. He's humongous and really gives that like imposing Superman look. And this 90 minute debut of this show has continued to intrigue me based off of these new promo images. The first, I believe the first reviews are coming out and they seem to be relatively positive. Carlos, seeing a Superman like this, this is kind of framing out a bit more. We're not getting a man of steel. We're not getting that big screen Superman, at least a new version of him, but we're getting this. Is this going to hold you over until we can get maybe Cavill back in the, in the suit? Yeah, man, I'm excited. Like the, the DCCW, like I could take or leave everything that's come, but the newer stuff, like kind of from when they started experimenting with DC universe and they brought Titans and doom patrol, which are kind of adult oriented shows that, they developed with the intention of selling to Netflix, but then the subsequent things like Swamp Thing and Stargirl, especially like they've been great, high quality shows. They're really well written, well acted. They got good actors and actresses in these roles, and they're a massive step up from the CW fair. And this looks to be a continuation of that. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Like. You look at the scenes of like Superman flying down or um, 
the the one scene of him lifting that massive chunk of ice that's on par with anything we've seen mm-hmm. out of the cavill performances and like i almost think i like his suit better it's got that sweet rebirth look to it and yeah and hoakland he does he does superman well like he's got that charming innocent uh but astute clark kent thing going on and then an earnestness when he's mm-hmm. superman and uh elizabeth tulloch i'd like her lois lane she's she seems like she's just that much more savvy than Clark, which makes them an interesting dynamic. And I was pretty skeptical on the idea of him having two teenage sons and the trailers have sold me on it. Now we get these stills that show how good the Superman stuff is going to look. And then you'll get some of the character beats with the kids. Like, yeah, man, sign me up. I'm, I'm really excited for what DC's doing in that TV space. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a whole package. Look at this character. And like I said, a couple of weeks ago, the thing that's got me intrigued is the teenage aspect of it and him being a parent. That's something that, that I haven't seen or would have anticipated would have fallen onto a TV show anytime soon. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's got me hooked. Sanjay, you're wearing the shirt. What are, yeah, what are your man, thoughts like, on, on this new Superman? I'm not sure if you're on the recording where we talked about Superman and Lois. Uh, I don't know. I may have been in and out. I kind of come in and out like a something that comes in and out. I don't know. <laughs> I was, I was thinking there, I thinking, am I gonna have to beep this out or? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's all clean. Um, to be honest with you, the CW shows haven't really hooked me. Like, uh, Watchmen, I thought that show was super cool, but that's definitely not a CW show. Um, and like, I don't typically watch TV shows in general. Like, I just don't follow them. Um, but this one here has me intrigued. Like, I definitely think I'm gonna give at least the first couple episodes a try. And uh, if not, wait till it comes out on Blu-ray and then pick up season one because it looks really cool and it looks like high quality content, um, which sometimes you don't get from the CW. Like sometimes their special effects and stuff look kind of kind of wonky there. So uh, this one, though, looks like, as you mentioned, cinematic, very like uh, movie feel to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one probably has a higher budget than some of their other shows. So sign me up, man. This one looks cool. Sign you up to an HBO Max subscription do you have uh that? we don't have that here i have a crave subscription, oh, crave. there though. you go yeah so, so, <laughs> yeah, so you'll get it yeah you'll get it yeah, yeah. so you don't have to wait for the blu-ray <laughs> 4k streaming brother <laughs> it's not 4k though it I doesn't know. look the same only bug troy man before yeah. we move on to the falcon and the winter soldier mm-hmm. i gotta get your input here you've been quite intrigued and focused on superman in the comic books lately and yeah this this suit if i'm not mistaken has has caught your eye but this still here, it it does something for me. Is it is it intriguing you in the same way? Yeah, um, I like Tyler's performances of Superman from what I've seen in Supergirl. Um, I think his performance, in my opinion, outweighs his overall look. I think he actually really nails Superman a lot, and I like this costume way more than his original costume, mm-hmm. the design. But his original costume fit him properly. This costume to me as i see it in motion and even like as i'm looking at the promos right now it looks i don't want to go there i don't want to go there but it looks a little shazammy where it's a costume <laughs> making him look a leave shazam size. alone okay it did nothing to you well and that's, look that's a little size um, I, I agree he yeah. does look bigger than his like frame can hold yeah. like his head doesn't fit his shoulder and chest like, yeah. they, like he is i don't know if he's that big of a guy but in this image, he looks yoked. <laughs> like, he's big. Huge. 
huge. And I don't know if it's because, like, if you look at his past costume, uh, which is something I really like about Superman, is when they have, like, his collar, it's cut down. So instead of it coming right to his his neck, like um, Superman Returns, but when you go back to, like, the Reeve Superman and the other Superman in the comics, it kind of goes down to his collar so you can see a little bit more of, like, the connection or the mass of his chest to his other torso. Whereas when right now, like, his collar is cut off short, and that, to me, makes it look very costume you like it's it's mm. i don't know it's a weird nitpick in my head i don't know what it is but it's just a design choice that i don't like but i actually like the overall design of the suit it just doesn't fit him properly in my opinion mm. but the still images man still images were dope like it looked very on par with with man of steel yeah 100%. Uh, the, the, the first marketing bits there and yeah the, the overall story is what i'm most interested in and like i mentioned too his performance tyler alone his performance really sells me so i'm definitely want to watch this show it's been a while it's been a long, long time since I've invested in the CW, yeah. but this definitely has me coming back to it. And um, and the budget, man. Yeah, like you guys have been mentioning, the budget looks huge, and this is definitely like the most cinematic-looking uh, CW property I've ever come across. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to see this, man. Excited. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. from one cinematic TV property to another, let, let's jump into the Falcon Winter Soldier here, guys. This past weekend, there's this big sporting event thing that happens or whatever yearly, I don't know. But every year around this time, we get a whole bunch of film trailers that that debut alongside of this event, this sporting event. And this year was a little was a little light, I will say. We're used Didn't to get... you play football growing up? I did. I'm only playing a part, man. <laughs> <laughs> I played football. I'd have played rugby. Say, like, I played. I remember you telling me you played football growing up. I played full I contact just... sports for my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> but this time around, I don't watch football at all. But I do tune in for the trailers. And the internet and Twitter and YouTube have made it very convenient that you don't even really have to watch the game anymore. You just have to watch what's trending on Twitter to figure out when the trailer dropped. <laughs> so we've got a brand new trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, who would like to start? Mr. Barnes, why does Sam aggravate you? 15 seconds to drop. So what's our plan? Great. Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. upside down right now where do we start i have a plan oh yeah what is it is you ready here we go again huh we've been grinding hard on the job can't take that from us wasn't so hard. Are you ready? Hey. Is you ready? Ready? Okay. You say you ready? What are you doing? Whole squad ready. Ready? Are you having a staring contest? Are you ready? 
Just blink, sweet Jesus. I mean, how old are you? Now, we've seen quite a bit in the build up to this. This is debuting March 19th, 2021. And now we got this new poster and we got this new trailer. And some of the talk that we've had before is how cinematic this looks. My opinion, they peeled this straight off of what was going to be a movie and put it into Disney Plus as part of a larger plan of, of driving audience eyes to that platform for Disney. Now, this trailer reinforces that again for me. And it also gives us some intriguing insight as to what the story is going to be and more so around the characters. This was, I found, a very much more of a character introduction style of trailer we got the action one we got kind of the scope and tone presented to us a few months back and this one has been all about who's in the movie or who's in the show and how are some of the dynamics going to play out and that's really on display as soon as we get into the trailer we've got our nice couples therapy session that bookends this trailer with falcon and the winter soldier just really showing and getting down to the depths of their connection and what this whole relationship is going to be this sort of give and take this you know a little bit of animosity here and there the stuff that we've seen in the past in films and i think that's going to bring a real shining point to all of this it's gonna really highlight the importance of both of these characters in the mcu and the score backing this thing it's got a real winter soldier vibe to it that scream that scratchiness that we did see with his theme in the first few movies he appeared in that bleeds into here very very nicely and of course the action here guys lots of action in this trailer now before we get into some of the details or even bring in some of the details if you want carlos let's let's talk about this trailer and what it frames out for you for this show does it change your opinion as to what we're going to get and what this is going to put in front of us or does it just really reinforce what we saw a couple of months ago for you uh i think the only thing that it changed is it maybe suggested that we're going to get a lot more down to earth kind of on the ground level type story mm -hmm. than I was expecting. Like I thought we'd have kind of more superhero hijinks throughout the thing, more Falcon in his costume, more winter soldier going wild and big battle scenes and whatnot. But I didn't get that sense from watching the trailer. Uh, but honestly, that's a good thing. Yeah. Like I would rather this kind of character quasi spy secret agent type show going on and then they're being pretty coy with what they're doing with u.s agent mm -hmm. and uh, i i like that i like that i want to see how that un unveils and i think the more interesting story will be the the kind of political intrigue side of this thing versus anything else so yeah man and it's it's my boy sam wilson so i, I i'm all in for this man so I I got what I was expecting out of this trailer and I was pleasantly surprised that it's maybe a little more subdued mm -hmm. than people were expecting. But for me, that's a bonus. Yeah. Huge bonus. Yeah, I agree. It really built on, I found, a lot of the villains or the antagonists in the film. Baron Zemo did not get a whole bunch of FaceTime in the last couple of trailers and snippets that we've seen. And he got a bit more of an expansion of what he potentially could bring to this. Now, he's, a again, another Cap franchise alum coming in from Civil War. He seems to be having the same general motivations, suffering from the same loss. He's got his trademark purple mask, which I am stoked about. Troy, what is, what is Zemo bringing to the table here? We got this 
intriguing look at what could be Mandapore. We've got potentially him building out a team. Could it be the Thunderbolts? Where does Zemo fit into this show for you? Um, he's another one. I feel much like the Joker, and 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 I loved uh, his performance and his role in the MCU. I think it's kind of underrated of what he did in Civil War, but he's another one I feel like he's going to level up this time around. I feel like mm -hmm. he's going to be even more okay. threatening, even more of a tactician, and more of like that master planner working the shadows behind everything. And he's still probably, um, maybe even more than now, more than ever, um, after the snap, feels that superheroes should be eliminated, should mm -hmm. be gone, shouldn't exist. So I feel like he, there's a lot of stakes involved, and he he's on a mission, man. He's on a mission. And uh, you mentioned, like, obviously the purple trademark yes. um, cloth hood there or mask. Can't wait to see that. I was hoping we were going to see George St. Pierre show up because mm -hmm. cause he is meant to be in this show, isn't he? I believe so. I believe he was. Yeah. And again, is that a Thunderbolt thing? Is he right. pulling together a team? I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I only want to see him if he has the mustache. Yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> and purple costume yeah. with the yellow boots. Yeah. Just be that mustache. <laughs> with the yellow villain. boots, yes. That'd be awesome. Um, no, you know what? This trailer, I really I really liked it for what it was. Um, it was cool that it actually had the DNA of Winter Soldier oh, yeah. written all over it. But on the flip side, to be honest, and I don't know if it's because I came off of watching the Fast and the Furious 9 trailer, but it had those little moments of like banter and humor, but in a good way of the Fast stuff. Like just seeing between Bucky and Sam, the rivalry between the two of them, I, I loved it. And they've, they've continued those threads, obviously, from, from Civil War. And it was, it, it kind of made me laugh a little bit. I just, I really liked that a lot to that this show is going to be, yes, obviously very espionage, but it's also going to be kind of fun at the same time yeah which is really cool which is also something i shouldn't be surprised at because the marvel films have been really good at giving you like something serious but then also at the same time making you laugh a little mm -hmm. so um i dig it man and plus i mean we're getting superheroes fighting in the civilian gear i'm a sucker for that stuff so well, you had, you had the classic sold. uh mcu disguise with bucky wearing the hat yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah man so no bring it on and, and hey that that flying sequence of falcon oh, yeah. great like like you mentioned man like <clears throat> This looks like it's been ripped right off the theater. Like it's it's incredible looking. Wanda's obviously looks great too, but this really feels like this was made for a movie. Just going off the trailer alone, yeah, looks really cinematic. Yeah, yeah. And well, the thing too is we're, we're stuck right now in WandaVision. Not stuck, but this is what we're currently watching, and it's a huge departure from what we've seen in the past, where this is much more familiar. And I think the dynamic that you did mention there is going to be important for the show because I think they're going to tell a heavier story. I think mm -hmm. given that we have six episodes, you know, at that 30 to 40 minute mark, there's a lot they can do here. There's a lot we're not seeing. And I think, too, to your point, Carlos, with US Agent, I think there's, there's an important thread in there. And we see Falcon at times struggling with the shield, and there seems to be a bit of give and take with him and Winter Soldier. But there's also a moment in there where he's holding the shield and he's looking up, I believe, Smith Smithsonian is where last time we saw this image of, of Chris Evans, Captain America, and he's looking up at it. It almost has me wondering, like, are they forcing him to hand the shield over to US Asian? Are they, ha are they having some ceremony where they've introduced him and they're saying, no, you're, you're not. We get to choose who's Captain America. And that being, instead of being imbued to him by Steve Rogers and passed to him more naturally, we have something that is, is being taken from him and given to someone else. And I think that's an important struggle we're going to see in this show is is that dynamic and that that social unrest has been really explored not a lot but i think we're going to see a lot of it in this show in particular and i think it's an important tone that they do strike and a subject matter that they do tackle and 
you know, you talked about a lot of the influences from Civil War, from Winter Soldier, what's come before in this Cap universe. And we've got another returning alum in Emily Van Camp. Agent 13 yeah. is back. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to her being in this as well because I really like the character. I like her as an actress. Mm -hmm. But I also like the, the third-party dynamic that she brings into Falcon and Winter Soldier. They seem to be quite off guard when she shows up. Like, And she's a badass. She has a great fight sequence in there. Yeah. And, and I'm really enjoying that. Sonny, the, the whole bringing the Cap universe to Disney Plus and leveraging the tone, the aesthetic, and a lot of the characters for this, do you feel it's going to the show is going to suffer for it because it is using a lot of what we've seen before, or do you think it's going to benefit from using that as a foundation and really propelling two of the characters that haven't had the screen time that your Chris Evans have your, your, your Chris Hemsworth and kind of the focal points of the first three phases of Marvel using that foundation. Is it smart or do they need to be going in a completely different direction? No, man, it's totally smart. Like if you talk to most people, if you look online, most people's favorite MCU film is uh, Winter Soldier, right? Like it's up there. Civil War as well is up there in terms of, you know, most popular MCU films. So to leverage off of that, it's only going to add viewers and it's only going to like add more stuff. If they went away from that, I think it would have done a disservice because you kind of know what to expect when you're going in. And then um, – if they went away and it was like, say like more of the tone that was kind of like more wonky or something more like an Ant-Man tone or something like that, uh, or guardians tone, it just, it just wouldn't have worked. But, uh, this one here, because it is more cap aesthetic and, uh, looking more like the captain America films, you could probably slot this in. If you're doing like a watch of like, okay, I mean, get all it's 4th of July weekend. I got to go get all my captain America <laughs> films in. And then you can just slide this one in at the end and uh, continue on. We know you love a good a movie marathon, and... dude. <laughs> What's that? We know you love a good movie marathon. I do, I do. Marathon. You go in, Fourth of July weekend, watch your cap films, and you go out, have a Budweiser, a hot dog, maybe um, put some American cheese on that. And uh, yeah. it's Fourth of July. That's, that's you, what you you're, do. You're right? an intriguing and an interesting man. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this passes the sniff test for you. We're going to talk about uh, the STD test here in a few minutes when we get to WandaVision. <laughs> But Could we not like continue with that. No, like, man, I, I, I feel like to. people are yeah. gonna get the wrong impression if they don't watch the show. And like, I have family members on Twitter, and they're gonna be like, "Sanjay, like, is there something you you want to tell me?" I, <laughs> I got a big shout out to everyone who's been using that and bugging Sanjay about that directly. <laughs> just even just tagging just STD and and random posts with Sanjay attached to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think people are gonna get the wrong impression that don't listen to the show. I'm gonna have like some explaining to do around like, what's the next holiday? Like Thanksgiving dinner or something? Mm. Be like. Uh... So you want to tell me what's this? You have three Thanksgiving. Weeks? It's February. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about the next time like we can get together is yeah. is my Thanksgiving weekend. So okay. <laughs> American Thanksgiving. And then you could do this, right? All themed. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Right? If this was American Thanksgiving, you could do a cap marathon. You can watch some football, have some turkey. You know, it's, it's all coming I tell you, up. I tell you, Sanjay. Now – the one thing I want to throw this to you guys, I got, a, I got a bit of a running theory here I want to put out on the table and see what you guys think about it. One of, the, one of the mysteries we have in this trailer, and even with this show, is the actress Erin Kellyman. She was she was solo. She was Emphy's Nest and solo. And she has a few very quick clip scenes in all of the trailers. She's got the mask with that red handprint on it. Who is this character? What is she? Now, one character 
as we've talked about the cap franchise and characters, legacy characters from that, that smaller subset, one character we haven't touched on is Red Skull. Now, this is a character that we saw in Infinity War to great delight, and we did see him back again in Endgame, guarding the Soul Stone. What happened to Red Skull after the Infinity Stones are destroyed? I guess they're put back in some capacity, but what happens to him now that he's released the Soul Stone? Widow has made that permanent sacrifice. Now, that's I'm just putting that on the back burner because this character, I don't think this character is Red Skull. But when you look at this character and how she looks, she has a slight likeness to Cynthia Schmidt, so Sin, which is Red Skull's daughter. Is it possible that this character is actually Sin, Red Skull's daughter? And that's going to be a big reveal we see in here, tying with even deeper roots to the Captain America legacy, bringing back the Schmitz, bringing back the Red Skull in some capacity. Does that make sense to have her play a significant role like that? Or does this make the universe seem too small? Huh. Yeah, that's that's an interesting theory because that's... I'm not familiar too much with the daughter except for when she popped up big in uh, Fear itself, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the comic that she popped up in. Um, I would be up for it, but I don't know. I don't know about that. Honestly, I don't even. Um, I didn't even know that she was even in this in this in this movie or this show. Um, I don't know. I'm just the idea of sin. I don't. It's not confirmed or anything like that. It's just no. Sorry, I meant like the the actress, the one okay, from, yeah. from from Infinity. I didn't even know she was even uh, even in it there. But um, I don't know. I mean, for for a second, because I know again in the comics they've been pushing. Um, I think it's Red Widow, which is which is one that's been popping up in the Avengers. But I don't see them going that route with her. She's in been this in show. some of the more recent Cap stuff. Has she as well? Yeah, Red Widow. No, so, Sin. Oh, Sin has. Oh, recently. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. I got I got nothing on that one. Um, I think the MCU is 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 beyond now the um, the MCU original characters. You know, in the early days where they're mm-hmm. kind of combining like Whiplash and Crimson, Crimson, Dynamo, whatever his face, Dynamo, Dynamo. Whenever they're combining their villains, so I think they're beyond that point. So if they were to do any characters, they would just borrow them, borrow them from the um, from the comic books. So Sin is definitely um, an option, which would be would be cool because I thought she's a powerhouse in that in that. Um, fear itself book yeah she was pretty cool so i mean damn if she pops up i'm all for it um but i got nothing man i got nothing on her it'd be interesting she's a bit young to be his daughter Mm. but you never know with the mc you got a hundred year old man fighting people on the top of a truck so (laughs) who knows (laughs) carlos sonny you got any take on who this character could be or is it simply the anarchist that is fighting against the establishment Sonny, you go first so we don't steal. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, man, I, uh, I I agree with Tim. I agree with Troy. Don't agree with Carlos. So uh, t- take that for what you will. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, any thoughts, man? Yeah, for me, like sin makes sense given the that it's a Captain America mm-hmm. property that we're watching here. But I think to bring in like the Red Skull because she's kind of his his replacement yeah. right in the modern mm-hmm. time so to bring her in would kind of walk on zemo a little yep. bit but uh being the daredevil guy of the show i'm gonna go with echo echo okay who's a cool character that you don't necessarily have to introduce via matt murdoch and i think 
it's almost cooler if you introduce her somewhere else and then she can mm-hmm. play into Daredevil stuff down the line. But like the handprint on the face, why not, right? And it, she's a cool character and she's one that she's perfect where she could be a foil for Sam and Bucky, but yet not be too overpowered where they're having to, having to go over the top to try and take her out kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's uh, that's gonna be my pick for it is uh, Echo. Yes, I agree. I see what you did there, <laughs> and um, without sounding as too much of an echo, I would agree. <laughs> Sunshine, <laughs> that's good. That's good though, man. I give it to you. That's good. She's she's definitely a character that's got me intrigued because she, out of all the characters we saw in this trailer, she's the one we know the least about. I think with U.S. Agent and all that, we have a general picture and a general idea as to where they're gonna take it. And this one here, I don't know if it's cannon fodder or what it is, but this is the character that has the biggest question mark for me as to what she's going to do in this film or TV show. I keep calling it film. So the hype train is real for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Everyone here is on board. And of course, we're going to be consuming this episode by episode, week by week, and maybe even Sanjay, because we're going to try to convince him right here, right now, guys, to subscribe to Disney+. Plus. If we can't convince him based off of episode five of WandaVision, I don't really know where we're going to go. Because to me, when I finished watching this, I was like, this is something that Sanjay would totally dig. The reveal at the end of this spoke to me through Sanjay. So Sanjay, if you're going to hang out, we're going to try to convince you here through spoilers, I will say. So spoilers for this. If you haven't watched episode five, we're going to walk through some of the details. And the reason we're doing this, you know, in the past couple of weeks, we've talked at more of a high level about WandaVision. But given the reveals in this particular episode, it warranted a deeper discussion as to what it means for the show, but what it also means for the wider MCU. Deep, deep implications potentially for this, or maybe just veiled ones, ones that really don't mean anything. And this is more of a, uh, a subtle nod toward what came before as opposed to it meaning something bigger for the future of the mcu so let's jump into it guys let's jump into wandavision episode five big time spoilers i'm sure if you've been online you've been spoiled (laughs) but ultimately we're gonna break it down in some detail here over the next 20 minutes or so so we kicked this episode off we're in the 80s we're in the 90s we're in that Family Ties, Full House, which is kind of a nice nod to Elizabeth Olsen. We've got that serious vibe to it. Now, the most unsettling thing about this entire episode, and I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me here, Baby Vision. <laughs> that 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 bothered me a little. <laughs> that was a, a bit of a weird look <laughs> for Vision. But I'm glad they're having fun with the style, with the aesthetic again, and really, really bringing that here. Now, the thing that's really highlighted here and something that we predicted from last week is that they've played a bit more between the episodic, the stylized aesthetic that we've gotten in the previous episodes and started to bring more in the real world. And so we're expecting more of a 50-50 blend as we go forward here between telling the story inside and outside of Westview. And this one here really focuses in on the concept of, at least at the start and really on the nose, as Wanda as the victimizer, as she's called in here, it was previously thought, as we all thought, that she was under some sort of spell, under some sort of entrapment or something to that effect. But it really became apparent last week that she had some control over what was going on, if not total control 
over what was going on here. And that's something that's been highlighted here. Over a thousand people hostage. The thing that I want to, to talk about here right off the hop is the idea that we broached last week, but there's really confirmed in here as to what Wanda is doing. There was this really cool scene partway through the episode where we have Wanda attacking S.W.O.R.D. just a few days after Endgame and stealing Vision's corpse, his body. Now, this was meant to be some sort of top secret location. And we touched on the idea of how twisted it would be if Vision was somehow walking around as a corpse and we're just not seeing it. And she's reanimated him in some capacity because of the devastation of the loss. And she's clearly unstable. She has a life she wants to live. She wants to live that with Vision, and she's crafted that to some degree here. Now, Carlos and Troy, you guys being the two that really came up with this and kind of put this in front of me last week, seeing this play out in front of you, the idea of Vision and his corpse and him being reanimated after being stolen by Wanda, Troy, how, how do you feel about this concept and what it could mean down the road? Well, it's kind of cool when you think about it. It's like, um, well, Marvel, man, they're the master of this. And uh, they kind of went full circle here where I remember the cool marketing behind um, Age of Ultron, right? When we got that scene where it was uh, the Pinocchio, mm -hmm. no strings. Yes. And the whole like puppet master thing. And it's kind of cool to see that's kind of gone back there now. Awesome. I love um, that. You know, with Wanda now uh, pulling the strings with uh, with Vision, so that's, it was kind of crazy. But it's uh, it's an interesting take, and it makes a lot of sense, especially when we dive into the episode. We learn more about what can go on in this world of uh, well, of the Hex, right? Yeah. So Monica Rambeau too. kind of explains, yeah, how um, her her bulletproof vest is now didn't disappear, didn't go away, but it's now morphed and changed into her cool 70s, mm -hmm. I don't know, flower pants, right? So it's interesting that Wanda's basically taking, at least what I assume, she's taking the corpse of Vision, his parts, and reconstructing them into something new, um, which is a neat concept, and that's probably going for a lot of things that's happened inside the Hex. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really neat, and it's a lot of cool things they can play around with, with this idea of what goes on in, uh, in the Hex, kind of kind of like this whole Lost feel, right? There's this yeah. whole other element that they're uh they're just going ham with and uh, i'm all there for it yeah yeah the the concept of the hex i really like the the name that darcy drops as well and you know mm -hmm. wanda has the hex powers in the comics and yeah it, it's kind of a cool it was definitely got a good chuckle out of me being like ah yeah you know it's that leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> pointing gif that everyone uses oh yeah the hex the hex and so i, I really enjoyed that aspect it's cool now now carlos what's going on in the hex here and, and with vision's corpse and all that and them building out and framing out more of what she's capable of and how she's altering the reality. We spoke of this past. It's not an alternate reality. It's altered reality. She's going in tweaking things to, to fit her narrative, the one she wants in her head. Now, what do you think is going on bigger picture? Now that we have the kind of the concept of vision here, there is some subtle nods to the idea that she's losing control of the hex. Mm -hmm that Vision is starting to see holes. We're seeing Agnes with a glitch at the start of the episode where she looks and says, okay, do we do another take? I found that was very interesting. We even see her exit the hex as well once they decide that they can penetrate it by fitting the aesthetic of the TV show that she's presenting to, to the crowd. So so what's what's going on in, in the hex for you and what's going on with Wanda? Uh I kind of dug what they did with Wanda in that she's not the victim. She's the victimizer, and she's creating this idyllic 
world for herself and mm-hmm. it's cool that they leaned into that and i really hope that it doesn't end up being some cheesy ah she was manipulated and poor wanda kind of thing like you know what we saw her through age of ultron and this girl has some trauma so lean into that and people with trauma sometimes make choices that hurt other people so um let's go with that and i think there's a interesting story to tell there but the one thing that nobody's talking about is paul bettany's performance in this episode oh, he yeah. stole the show for me like it, him and tiana paris were gangbusters mm-hmm. this time out and uh when he's coming to the realization that things are amiss and that he can't remember anything and that and when he starts challenging her on what mm-hmm. she's doing and what she's created like that was when the show really soared for me like there was stuff I didn't like for sure <laughs> this time out, but uh, like when he was on the screen, he really salvaged things. And um, yeah, I, I really hope that they lean into her just being a person lost and that she's made some decisions and hasn't thought about the consequences and how they affect other people. And that she has like this thousand people hostage, but to her it's okay kind of thing. So yeah. like, I, I don't need, one more day or any Mephisto shenanigans and that kind of nonsense. Like just let Marvel, let bad guys be bad guys. Let good guys make mistakes, you know, but it's an interesting point you have there because I found at the start of this episode, they really lean into the idea that she is a victimizer, Mm -hmm. but they throw a little bit of cold water at it towards the end where she starts to get confused as to, what is actually being created and what she's controlling. I I watched it for a second time at lunchtime today just to kind of get a better feel of it before this discussion. And I find that there is moments right at the end where she starts to actually question what's going on and gets confused with the doorbell and all this, right? And she doesn't seem to be controlling Agnes either. Yeah. There's there's something there that is, and we're going to talk about that here in a few seconds, you know, as we're slowly piecing together this bigger puzzle, she she is questioning at the end of the episode what is happening and how it started. Now, I don't know if that's like a blind, she doesn't know how she did it, and then she kind of is progressively waking up as the show unravels in front of her and as she starts to lose control. And so that seems to align with her losing control, her becoming more cognizant of what's going mm-hmm. on. But I, I don't know where they're going to go with that. And I agree with you that I want them to really lean heavily into her cracking and breaking, becoming a straight up villain. Yeah. Like I kind of had reconciled it that as the episodes progress and the shows become more and more modern, that the, the hex is becoming too complex for her to control. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why she started out in that forties, fifties type yeah. environment. Cool. Uh, but you know, if they go this route, we'll have to see how it plays out and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, let's see what happens. But I, I do yeah. totally see where you're coming from with outside influences starting to weigh on her. Yes, for sure, for sure. And and even more to, to your point about her being the villain, there was a very on-the-nose discussion about her having a, a funny nickname, I believe it was called, and the, the director that really pushing on that. And it seemed very obvious to me, like, is someone just going to yell out Scarlet Witch? But... As I as I kind of reconciled that in my head, I'm thinking, okay, when she walked out of the hex, to me, she walked out as Scarlet Witch. And 
I think she's going to walk out of this show as Scarlet Witch and not Wanda and straight into Multiverse of Madness as some sort of villain. Mm -hmm. I think that's how they have to play it and how they explain the difference between the two. Wanda is the Avenger, where Scarlet Witch is the antagonist. She is the villain of a story. Yeah, or maybe the Multiverse of Madness is what she creates at the end of this thing. Maybe, maybe. it's a cliffhanger yeah. and to be continued That'd in be awesome. Doctor Strange 2. Yes, that would be very, very cool. Now, another character here that's popping up and had a much larger presence in this episode was Agnes. Now, we've called her the nosy neighbor. She's been the one throughout this entire thing that isn't playing to the tune of what Wanda is doing. She seems to show up at very convenient times, which Vision is picking up on now. She comes in at a very interesting moment with the dog. And there's this whole idea about bringing people back from the dead. And the one kid, I had to put on the subtitles. I didn't understand what he said. He says, Mom, you can fix the debt. And then Agnes turns and says, oh, you can do that. And so that's where my kind of light bulb went off as to maybe what her stakes in this are. You know, she mentions her husband. Again, we've yet to see Ralph. Is there potential that she's in there trying to figure out how to bring him back to life? Uh, that she's inserted herself into the hex and is playing with Wanda in some capacity to try to leverage her skill set the way that she's brought Vision back? Is there something in there with Agnes? And and where do you think this character is going? Because she is, is the enigma right now, I find, in this show. She's the one that has been present from the beginning, but we don't really know what's going on. And this episode, out of all of them, made her stick out like a sore thumb. Like she's watching the kids age up. She's sitting there drinking. You know, it it's it's something that they were just very, very outright with. Troy, Agnes, the nosy neighbor, <laughs> what's going on here? She's a funny one, man. I have a I have no idea with this. You know, when I think I have something on her, <laughs> she changes the game all over, man. Um it's really hard to say what's going on, but there's obviously something up with this character because, I mean, Wanda is getting comfortable using her powers in front of her. Mm -hmm. We're seeing things happen that aren't normal in front of her eyes, and she's not bothered by it. Um, so I don't know what her whole angle is. That's interesting that her husband could be the one that she's trying to revive through Wanda, or her husband is like that Nightmare or Mephisto mm -hmm. character that we just, we're just not too sure of. But... um. Yeah, with her, she's a, she's a wait and see for me at this point. I just I don't know what her angle is. I don't know if she's the the outside source or if she's the source of the whole thing, or she just has her own motives in general that happens to be there, which is kind of too many co coincidences uh, lining up. So I'm just not too sure about this one yet. Yeah, she's a tough one. They they have now. to do something with this character. I think in the next two episodes, mm -hmm. they can't continue to like lead this on. Because no. they were so obvious about it in this episode. Yeah, they still have to revisit the other lady. The Dottie, other lady yeah. that yes, yeah, because she's been absent for well since episode two, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, is there something bigger her? there, Carlos? I think we we can all agree there is something bigger there. But any thoughts on what it is? Yeah, like who knows? She might even be like some entity that's coming to intercede in what. Wanda's created like mm -hmm. if there's some kind of I don't know I, I'm reading so much Witcher I want to say like Sorcerer's Guild or whatever <laughs> like where uh, somebody from that sect like 
maybe she's what segues into Doctor Strange being notified as to what's going on. Or, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely something there. I hope that she's not the one manipulating Wanda, but at the same time. Yeah, I really hope that um, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what it brings, but she's she's not like all the other Denzins of Westview, that's for sure. No, and and if she's manipulating, you know, I if you go back to the first episodes where we discussed this, we all kind of pegged her as being the one manipulating her. I'm so far away from that right now that I don't want it. I want this to be, like you said, I want this to be more about Wanda than anything. And that she is someone that's in there trying to take advantage of the situation, but she is not influencing it in any way. That that's what I wanted of this character. And and yeah, I'm happy for her to lead into the multiverse of madness in some capacity, for her to even be a witch of some sort. But she has to be there on her own accord and with her own motives as opposed to her directly influencing Wanda here. I think there's a much bigger story to tell with Wanda. And, and that's really what's unraveling here. Now, before we get to the big reveal, there's one character you mentioned here, Monica Rambeau, who is is playing quite a significant role and quickly moving up in the overall screen time of this show. Now, the interesting part about her is when she exits the hex and they're doing all these tests on her, they're finding that they're not working. Now, is this a quick and dirty way to get her powered up to inherit some sort of Captain Marvel role down the line? And with that, what does this do to everyone inside of the hex? Do we have the potential where every time someone's hit by Scarlet Witch, I'll say, her hex powers that they go through some sort of transformation. Like how do you hold that back from it? Not just being, you know, kind of another infinity stone sort of origin story for a character. Carl's Monica Rambeau. Is she getting powered up here or is this trying to, to seed something different? Well, that x-ray was basically a picture of her as photon, but like yes. blurred out. <laughs> so it's like, I think they've set it up there. There was that one part where they're having the debrief and uh, I don't know if it's the director or another character that mentions Captain Marvel and she kind of makes this, yeah. this face. So I don't know, like we haven't had that piece filled in with what happened to Maria Rambo, but did Carol give mm. her cancer or something like that? And maybe, yeah, maybe that's affected Monica and given her powers in some way. I, I kind of hope that like, Wanda, like Wanda's power set being so analogous and you can kind of do whatever you want with it. Like, I hope they don't go too crazy with it, but mm. uh, that's an interesting theory. And then you also have the, the idea that all the kids are missing from Westview. Yeah. So is that where your mutants come from type of thing? Well, that was, that was what I was going to lead into this is, do you get like a mutant thing out of this? God, I hope not, but <laughs> me too, man. <laughs> I am right there with you. I don't want, this to be the backdoor pilot to to mutants just because of her hex powers because you're right it does something it it questions everything about her power set and all that like i don't want this to be like a a reverse house of m yeah yeah no definitely <laughs> so and speaking about mutants troy yeah man so the the end of this episode was a big what the <laughs> moment for me <laughs> it, it sent me down a path of like uh, I did not expect this what they did here so as we get towards the end of the show 
we've got the confrontation that Carlos mentioned between Wanda and Vision. And it following that, we get a doorbell ring, which Wanda claims is not her. And we have the arrival of Pietro, her brother. Mm. We get this very intriguing back shot of the Quicksilver-esque hair. <laughs> and then the shot of the front... And it turns out to be Evan Peters, who played Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men universe, not Mm -hmm. Aaron Taro Johnson, who played Quicksilver in Age of Ultron and in the MCU. So this unravels a lot of things and puts out a ton of theory crafting. Now, for me, I don't want this to be the X-Men Fox are now in the MCU. It's all one. <laughs> and here's your X-Men intro. I, I really don't want it to be that. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's that. I think this was done on purpose to get people talking about this, to create some big cliffhanger intrigue. And it's done that. But I just think this is like a, a JK Simmons. This is a subtle nod to the greater Fox universe and just a way to play with people's minds. I I don't think this is the entrance of the X-Men into the MCU. Troy, what's your takeaway from from that scene? Well, first of all, I mean, I I hope it's not what um, the actress Elizabeth Olsen went on to say that, you know, we're meant to be getting some sort of Luke Skywalker reveal. Because if it is, that's that's a big (laughs) bummer, because that's nowhere near the level (laughs) of Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. Let's just set that bar right. But um, no, for me, honestly, I, I feel like, yeah, it's just that kind of cool blame switch. It's yeah. a really cool, like, hey, look, look what we did. But they're, they're not going all no. in. Because in my opinion, I feel like they've already established the rules in, was it the episode before? I think it was episode three, maybe. But basically, I think um, Evan Peters is the actor, right? Yeah. I believe he's probably just a civilian in Westview that's just been reshaped recast to be like the quicksilver mm-hmm. that happens to look like the fox quicksilver that we've seen and it's kind of like ha ah, cool but i don't feel like it's even quicksilver i just feel like he's like darcy even says like he, she recast quicksilver yeah. and i don't even know if she even did it it could be some outside um power above her that's done it but i feel like it's just a cool little thing to have us all talking i agree and speculating but this is definitely not you know if you're bringing in the x-men this is not how you do no. why would you bring in the x-men off of a character that was in the last three X-Men films that bombed, you know? Like, yeah. gonna, it's one thing if you bring in, like, Tobey Maguire, who was a, from a successful franchise Or even, like, Spider-Man. a Hugh Jackman, if you want to keep it the mute. Or a Hugh Jackman, or Ryan Reynolds, right? But you wouldn't bring in Quicksilver, which I think most people liked from those movies, but the movies itself weren't that great. But he's the one with the title. But, um, right? yeah, I, I, yeah, so it, it was cool. But the other thing, too, I think, like, didn't we already know this was happening? Because I'm pretty sure we saw, like, set photos of this guy. There's rumors that like, months he had months been... Ago. I'd never seen a set photo, but there's definitely rumors that he had been cast in the show yeah so like when it happened it's kind of like yeah like yeah it's, cool. it still took me aback to be honest with you i thought it was going to yeah. be aaron taylor johnson to be honest with you i did not think that would have been cool. this way i thought that they yeah. would have just done like a weird she's has a vision of him or something but right. but this threw me carlos do you feel the same way about what this is that this is just a clever bait and switch for a week and because they got a, they got some simmer time for fandom to to cook this through and craft everything they want. A lot of people claim, oh, the MCU is now even bigger and 
and the X-Men are here and all. Is is this that for you? Well, like, I feel better about it now listening to, like, the, the MCU super fan kind of say that this is just a bait and switch. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's something <laughs> low-key just to tease fans and it's going to go 100%. away. Because, like, man, I do not want this to be the back door mm. for bring Like, no. DC bringing in Michael Keaton, I understand because they're trying to fix the airplane while it's flying. Whereas with like the MCU, <laughs> it's like you're the gold standard. You don't need to bring the janky Fox X Men franchise into your golden palace. Like, why? Why there? There is nothing worth salvaging there. Like it is put no. to bed. Leave it alone. Like, if they never made another Deadpool movie, I'd be fine with that too. Like, Evan Peters. <laughs> like, you had that one cool scene in Days of Future Past. And it was so good that you did it another two times. Like, <laughs> come on, get out of here with that. It's stupid. Like, if he puts on his headphones and runs around and does something slow-mo in this show, I'm out, man. But, uh, <laughs> like, over here. it's terrible. The only, it's not, the it's, only it's not thing that this does is it gets people to go to the Sanjay section of Disney Plus where those terrible X-Men movies are. Terrible. Because no nobody's going on that tab. I think you Nobody. mispronounced masterpiece. Nobody's going on that tab. You I, go on I, that I tab, you, you get man. an STD. <laughs> a real one. <laughs> Look, I, I agree with you. This to me, this is something that is just meant to get people talking. And it creates a it's a magnificent cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you're gonna treat it like that. It's done very, very well. There's no way, there is no way in my mind that Feige and company that have put together this unbelievable run of films are looking at that X-Men franchise and saying, we're going to pull that in to backdoor the X-Men. <laughs> I know. No, they're going to go to ground zero. There, there might be some weird X-Men-esque thing in this somewhere down the road because there is some inherent ties. Like I, I personally think they're going to go the route of she finds out that she was actually adopted by Sokovian people and she has different parents somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be some like, okay, we're going to nod at this, but we'll take care of this in five years. But even that, there, like, there's, it's not that important. They have retconned and reintroduced Wanda and Pietro as Magneto's kids. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like and, nine times. It's And they made them inhumans a couple of years ago too. Like they weren't even mutants. <laughs> yeah. So, but they're, they're, I don't, I fully agree with both of you guys that this is not a backdoor into the X-Men. They they have, I guarantee there's a board somewhere in Marvel Studios that says, this is how we're doing X-Men, and we're going to kick it off in three, five years. Yeah, please. Well, and like, <laughs> like, and I don't know. There's, there's no reason to do that. With the slate of films and TV shows you got coming out, there's no reason to subtly seed or in a big way connect an X-Men universe just to do it. Like, there's no reason to do that. No. For in, like from a storytelling, from a narrative perspective, there's there is nothing here. I it's just a kind of a, oh, there was a different Quicksilver, cool, and the guy he's gonna snap out of it, and he's gonna be some random dude, and it's gonna be just like a a subtle nod to something. Big. I hope so, man, because people were pretty <laughs> excited, and I was like, oh, that is the most short-sighted no, I, thing ever. <laughs> because no, it'd be cool, it's, man. It's, it'd be cool because like you bring in the X Men. You have like Fastbender, no. and you have um, James McAvoy. You can recast all those guys as, as and then as, you set it up. They're to... like 
shunned because they're like, oh, they came from this like alternate dimension and they're mutants and they have powers. You you build in a reason reason that they're hated by humanity, and then you have them battle the Avengers because the Avengers are like, oh, these guys are bad. You have the X-Men team up. You have, like, Magneto, Professor X, Mystique. But which Magneto? Which Cyclops? Which Ty Storm? Sheridan, uh, yeah. you know, um, you could have Jennifer Lawrence. Like, you tell me Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Hugh Jackman and James McAvoy versus, like... Jennifer Lawrence barely wanted to be in the last three X-Men <laughs> movies that she did, let alone bringing her in for more. <laughs> the only way I would accept this is if it was, like, they show up and the MCU characters are like, no, you guys are so terrible. We don't want you in this universe. So we're going to fight you and kill you all off. What's with all this excellent <laughs> hate, man? The films were great. I said it like the 13. There, there's they did, there's definitely high amazing. points. No, there's definitely high points in, in some of those. All films. high points. There's only like no, two low points. They, they had their time. They had their time <laughs> and they're like dated. It's just like, Everybody who listened to the show even for five minutes knows that I white hot love Batman 89 and Batman Returns. If they were to make a movie next week, I do not want that again. That was <laughs> awesome in 1992. And the X-Men <laughs> were awesome until 2003 or four. And then Whoa, it, whoa, whoa. Well, we were playing them short. I mean, like, the X-Men definitely have to oh come yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure MCU. for just sure. not this cast no. right this, not this cast this not this way a, no yeah do you yeah. want to bring brian yeah. singer's x-men into the mcu i don't want to bring his x-men no i don't want to do with brian singer's x-men but what i want but what i want is like i think the cast is dope and i think the movies are sick so you know if there's any way to like continue this off i'd be all for it you know what though I, w- I will say I mean if Elizabeth Olsen's talking some high game about someone popping up there is a good chance there's two possible X-Men from that franchise I believe that could pop up well let's let's and do then, this so Rick yeah. our boy Rick he sent us a question actually about this very thing prior to the drop of episode 5 and he yeah. asked us about this very thing with Olsen teasing a major cameo I don't know he said this week so I don't know if she said explicitly it's coming in episode 5 or if it was meant for the whole show yeah. But what what would be the surprise that for you that would be on the scale of a Luke Skywalker? Because to me, it's definitely not Evan Peters' Quicksilver. No. Ben Affleck. I think that's what she meant. Ben Affleck. Is it? <laughs> ben Affleck. Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so cool. I, I think that's what she meant. But, like, the only thing that would be remotely on the level of Luke, uh, Chris it's... Evans is Captain America, maybe, to talk yeah. her out of the... Or Downey. Like coming back as like a reformed Iron Man, yeah, the blue, the some blue weird ghost way. Iron Man from the comics. Yeah, just the helmet and the, the yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Troy. Any, any? Do you think is it? Could it be a Magneto? Like, could she? Have... Yeah, I'm I'm going with the easy one. I mean, I still think Doctor Strange, but he's not on that level. But I feel like Doctor Strange makes the most sense. But for her talking Luke Skywalker, like, no, he's not on that level. But I think it would have to be, especially when you take in consideration uh, Paul Bettany's. <laughs> Uh, uh, remarks as well with an actor that he's always wanted to work with and I feel like that could be like um, the original Magneto or that'd be Sir Patrick Stewart those two make mm-hmm. the most sense Well, there, so Sonny I got you, you. There, there, you. Is, there is precedence right yeah. there is precedence in the MCU for recasting yeah similar with J.K. Simmons right that, that precedence is there and so like they could use a Patrick Stewart 
Yeah. Yeah. But if you're looking at a long, like I, I'm kind of getting a little bit older though. <laughs> well, there's oh, yeah. longevity yeah. of the franchise you have to consider yeah. too, right? Yeah. And I, I'm not even convinced that they need to use the stereotypical, the comic accurate Magneto or Eric Leshner and and uh, Charles Xavier. I think that they can modernize those characters into 70s, 80s, and you could do a whole bunch with those characters. There is some inherent roots with Magneto mm-hmm. to the Holocaust and everything that you have to consider, but there there is a way, I think, to tweak those into your Malcolm X and your Martin Luther King style of characters um, that still represent the same basic fundamentals. Yeah. Um, I think you got to keep but, Magneto. And just have it so that he ages slower because of his powers. Yeah. And maybe Charles, who he meets in the 70s, 80s, who's kind of a mm-hmm. uh, a Martin Luther King-type archetype, is the guy that kind of talks yeah. him off the ledge. And then maybe they have a fallen out or whatever. But um, yeah. I don't know. For me, like, there's it's just such a powerful part of his backstory. Mm-hmm. It is, 100%. That I'd hate to yeah. lose that just for the sake of mm-hmm. modernizing it all. They're running out of time though. They gotta, they gotta get a, they gotta get cracking on it. Yeah, they gotta get. Well, gotta get cracking on it. Hopefully, it's not this. <laughs> no, I don't think it would be. I don't think it will be. But I still, again, like, I don't know. I mean, like Carlos said, like if she thought that Pietro was on that level of Luke, well, she's sadly mistaken. <laughs> but I mean, if you're gonna say something, <laughs> right? But, but, but if you're gonna, if you're gonna talk that game, then man, like it has to be somebody huge. It has to be even for me. Captain America's not like the Iron Man. Maybe, but then it's like him fitting in this the series that what they established. The only thing you can do is doesn't really do some it of her it. origin and the tie, but it's it's very loose, like with Ultron and Vision yeah. and Stark, right? Well, and you got to think um, too. She's probably not like doing the math for like who would be the Luke no. Skywalker equivalent in the MCU. Blah blah blah. Yeah. It's more, I think, the reaction, right? Yeah. Like that, like oh, whoa. Like that kind of what are you doing? What is what is going on here? This is almost like two universes crossing over, mm-hmm. right? When you throw Luke into the Mandalorian, but not really. If you yeah. if you guys want to go back to those skin tight leather costumes, <laughs> by, by all means. But man, no, I want yellow. No, I'm not. Yellow I'm not. I'm right now. I'm not here for yeah. it. And it, it's and I really don't think it is. I think it is a like no. I said, a clever bait and switch that's got us talking. Endlessly about it, right? That, that the internet was on fire about. This. I know. I hope you. I hope you're right, man. Because the internet had me convinced that they were doing something with this, and I was just like, "Yeah, why? That's gross." And I tell you right now, I, I will, I will, I will give it a nerd room guarantee that they're not. <laughs> I don't know. I've never done that before, so I don't know what that means. But anyways, guys, we've got episode six coming up here. We're gonna see here in just a couple of days, a day after this episode releases, actually, what the actual answer is to this. We're gonna see the Uncle Jesse. Of this 80, 90s era. Maybe it is Uncle uh, Jesse. Maybe that's the Luke Skywalker level cameo. Yeah. He's bigger than Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Have mercy. <laughs> John Stamos? So, yeah, you never know. You never know. But, guys, we got a lot to cover in the coming weeks here. we got the ramp up to Zack Snyder's Justice League, to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've got the end of WandaVision, and Godzilla vs. King Kong. And on top of that, everything else. That is coming out here. We're going to be back here every single Thursday, of course, talking all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. And if you'd like to be a bigger part of this show, you can always email us at thenerdarm at gmail.com. The hunt is real, and it's over on Instagram. You can find everything we're doing over there at the NerdRM as well. Twitter, guys, it's always the place where we go to talk nerd beyond the podcast. And you catch us there. Our handles are at the end of the episode. And then you can find everything that we do over the nerdroom.net, including 
the Nerd Room Arcade, episode one. It's up in the feed. It's over on the website. So make sure you go check out Troy and Carlos as they muse about Star Wars gaming. It's a ton of fun. The stereo app was a great hit. It was a bit uncontrollable sometimes with what people were going to say, but that is uh, that is the, the fine line that these boys are walking <laughs> with this new podcast, and I'm here for it all day. So go check that out in the feed. It'll be in the episode right before this one. So with all that being said, guys, until next week for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Batman. And I'm Sanjay. And for those of you in Canada, stay warm, stay safe. And guys, we will talk to you next week. And thank you very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.